Most of the male runners figured if any woman wants to run 26 miles in a driving rain, let her run. But veteran Boston trainer Jock Semple thought the whole thing was silly. No, there's enough competition for women. What the heck? Why did they want to tackle the, the, the toughest thing in the world? It's just the women and their stubbornness just want to do something that they're not supposed to do. That's all there is to it. You know that. You're married. That was 50 years ago. In the time since, women have made remarkable progress towards equality in sport. Today, 40% of all athletes are women, and yet women still receive less than 4% of media coverage. The Iron Woman podcast wants to help change that. We interview female professional athletes and other remarkable women making breakthroughs in endurance, sport, and research. So that when I grow up, I will have heroes. I'm Alyssa Gadeski. I'm Haley Chura. And I'm Rosalie. And you're listening to the Iron Women Podcast. This is Haley, and I've spent most of my swimming career squinting at pace clocks or trying to catch a glimpse of my watch during intervals. If you're like me and love knowing your swim splits but hate finding a clock, there's a better way. Form Swim Goggles are the first premium goggles with a smart display that shows your metrics while you swim. You heard that right. Form Goggles have a see-through display in one of the eye cups so you can see your splits, pace, distance, or any other metric right in front of you. I've done a few workouts with the Form Swim Goggles, and the coolest thing is once you press start, the goggles actually know when you're swimming and when you're resting. There's no need to press another button until you finish your workout. Want to learn more? Head to formswim.com. And now, the ladies you've been waiting for, Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. Bye for now. Hi, Haley. I want to ask you about your marathon recovery this week because I was actually listening to a podcast with the California International second place overall female finisher, Obsi Baru. And she was saying that part of her post-race recovery started right after the race. She went out and apparently jogged a couple more miles that day. And so... Are you serious? That's yes. what like pro pro runners do. Which is, they go out, they do like a, a shakeout jog they, right well, after the race. she does it. Yeah. And so that actually took me by surprise because I laughed to myself like that's something I would want to do, but like who else like would do it? But I guess, I don't know. Maybe that's, that's what, she, that's what they do. So I guess, have you, how long was it before you even ran again? A week. I ran today and uh, it's like, a, uh, today's Monday, one week and one day post race. And I ran today 30 minutes and easy. And that honestly, I, I'm proud of myself for like walking to the bar after I hit to the, got to the finish line. That was my active. That was my recovery run. No, it, it felt okay running today, but honestly, this is even earlier than I would normally run probably after a marathon. I would probably in a normal situation, take two weeks off, but I, as someone kindly reminded me today, I think there's only 10 weeks until the Olympic trials. So I'm running another marathon in not too long of amount of time. So it condensed the recovery a little bit. And 
I actually feel pretty good. I, I did more swimming and cycling time last week as my recovery. And there was one swim workout I did and workout. I, I, I use that term very loosely. It was a 2K easy swim, but I do, it did have a friend there. So my friend Erin had hurt her back. So we were like doing, a, she was doing a injury swim and I was doing a recovery swim. And I felt myself get like actually feel better during the course of the 2k swim. So I think swimming is the best active recovery and maybe, you know, maybe I can't remember her name. She should try it. The woman from your podcast. Obsi, <laughs> Go yes. to the pool. Yes. Obsi, so, Obsi, try going to the pool. <laughs> I do think that is like definitely a perk of being a triathlete is that we do have the other sports we can use for that recovery because if you are only running, right? And of course, I don't know her background that well, but if you are only running, then yeah, you don't really want to wait like days and days and days before you start trying to do active recovery runs because like it would be, it is nice to do a little shakeout. But if you have swimming and biking as an option, I think you can totally just walk to the bar after the race knowing you can get in an easy swim or an easy ride in the next few days. And like you, like you said, when you feel your body like feeling good while you're swimming, that's the best. So I'm glad to hear that you haven't been doing too much and hopefully you've been enjoying the holiday season a little bit too. Alyssa, I put up a Christmas tree. I got a Christmas tree. I did not cut it down myself because I went with my mom and my mom doesn't like to cut down trees, even though they're in the national forest and you get a permit and there's plenty of trees. She just makes her sad. And so we bought an already cut tree. My mom went with me a little lodgepole pine, which I didn't realize there were so many different kinds of Christmas tree. Like the, when I was, I bought it from a kind of a local nursery and the owner of the nursery was there and he's like, Oh, you're on team lodgepole. And I didn't even know that was a team, but apparently that's the team I'm on. And lodgepole pines are, they're not like traditional Christmas trees, but they are the trees that you see a lot in Yellowstone park, which I think is why it was very sentimental. Plus it was the right size. And my few little ornaments look excellent on it and the flights and, um, I'm in the holiday spirit. How about you? Have you done any holiday decorating or holiday shopping? Does Ramona have a little like holiday outfit that she likes to traipse around in? I have like some antler, like an antler headband for her that I'll put on for like one token photograph before she rips it off, I guess. And we have a little tree. It's artificial, which I know isn't the best thing all the time, but I don't know what's the best ever anyway. So I know maybe we, artificial is the way to do it. If you use it, like reuse it many, well, many times, you're not, that's what I thought anything. too. But then I heard that like, if you do artificial, ideally you get some without the light strands built into them because otherwise when the lights go out, then you're like done with the whole tree and you have to get another whole artificial tree. So I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I'm hopeful. This one's been kicking for several years, so I feel good about it so far. And we have, you know, my few little ornaments up there too. We have some lights strung on the porch. So it feels kind of Christmassy. I drank some eggnog this weekend, but Haley, the big thing on my radar is actually, as our listeners know, I've been doing a lot of ultra running this season in addition to triathloning because I have been trying to earn points to enter the lottery to hopefully be running the Ultra Tour de Mont Blanc in the next couple of years. So the points I accumulated through my three races this season will be good for the lottery for two years. And I believe if I don't get into the lottery this year, then... I can try again. And I think it's like weighted a little bit more in my favor for year two. And so everyone please start crossing your fingers. This, this, well, I guess when the podcast comes out, so it'll be the day before I'll have submitted my application for the lottery. And then the actual lottery though is going to be January 9th. So we have a lot of time to spend with our fingers crossed, but I appreciate everyone doing that for me. 
I have my fingers crossed. And the UTMB, it's a hundred plus mile race around Mont Blanc in France. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So you basically, there's a trail that kind of loops around it for better or worse and goes through all the little circumvents. I've been wanting to use that word. I think that's the right word. It is. Yeah, I think. And a ton of elevation change. It's a little bit of altitude up there. um, But it is, if you, I've only seen pictures of that area of the world and I am dying to go and run it in all of its glory. So I'm really hoping to get into this race. I think it, it suits me quite well too. Um, I'm like, just miss Haley. There's like an elite cutoff for the lottery. You could like skip the lottery if you're ranked high enough in the rankings. But unfortunately I'm like just below the cutoff and no exceptions will be made. Those French are stern, man. So, um, I'm, I'm going into the lottery, but they, they wished me luck with the lottery. So <laughs> do you know what the, how many people enter the lottery and how many people get in? Do you know your odds or is it, is it like a secret formula? No, they, that they don't, they release it. I didn't look too hard at it. Cause I, I almost just don't want to know, you know, cause I did, I worked really hard to get these points and, I just, now it's like, I've done what I can. You don't want it to be like the Powerball, Powerball where it's like one in 30 trillion. But I always (laughs) believe it. Like that's why I play Powerball when it's (laughs) because I believe that I can do it. So no matter my odds, I believe hopefully come January 9th, I'm getting good news. I have good feelings about January 9th because you know what January 9th is also, it is, it's also the day that we come back from our two week break. So we are taking a two week break. We won't be here the next two Thursdays during the holidays but we'll be back on January 9th when Alyssa finds her results from UTMB lottery. Yes. And so on that note, um, we do want to send a huge thank you out to our listeners. Um, you guys mean so much to us. And I think this year has flown by like 50 weeks, basically in a row, you guys have listened to Haley and I, and for us, it's been a lot of fun. I think we're really finding our groove. And I know for me, it's been particularly special as I got back into triathlon racing this season a bit more and was going to more North American races even than I have in a little bit. And I got to meet a lot of you and I really, really appreciated everyone who came up and Uh, said hi and introduced himself or just cheered while I was on the race course. That definitely has made triathlon a more special place for me. And I've appreciated the iron women community immensely. So thank you guys so much for listening. I echo all of Alyssa's sentiments and Alyssa, I even met some of our listeners at the California international marathon, which was incredible. I know we are all the endurance sports community, but when you step outside that triathlon bubble a little bit, you're like, maybe no one knows me, even though I wear neon clothes and talk loud, but I still had a couple of people actually recognize either my voice or myself, um, and say hello. And that was fantastic. And then, like you said, at triathlons, it's fantastic. And even the people who reach out online or just listen quietly, we appreciate that. And we did think of one incredible gift idea. If you need a last minute gift, and if you're running a little short on cash, a subscription to the iron woman podcast on your loved one's app of choice, podcast application of choice, whether that's Apple podcast, whether that's Stitcher, whether that's SoundCloud, whether it's Spotify, whatever it is, hit subscribe on Iron Woman podcast. It's free and they will be forever thankful. In my opinion, it's totally the gift that keeps on giving because they're going to get something every week for, (laughs) for 2020. So I can't think of a better gift than that. So good thoughts on that, Haley. 
And Haley, digging into our mailbag, we actually didn't get any questions that came out or out to us to answer, but we did have Nicole. Um, she wrote in Nicole Falcaro, Falcaro, Falcaro. Yeah, Falcaro. I think that's it. I I'm not the pronunciation. Uh, genius over here, but okay. thank you, Nicole, for writing in. Nicole, you've written into us before, so if I'm saying it wrong, you'll just have to write it again and let me know. But Nicole um, is a professional triathlete too. Yeah, I do follow her on Instagram, but I haven't met her in real life, and maybe. When we meet, I'll ask her for correct pronunciation. Well, I've met her in person, but I didn't ask for her full name pronunciation. So um, we'll have to backtrack. But good. Thank you for writing in, Nicole. And she sent in, we did get some movie recommendations, but we wanted to highlight Nicole's, which is a 38 minute documentary about a woman who is going for the tour divide record. And so the tour divide is a 2,750 mile self supported mountain bike race from Canada to Mexico. Mexico along the Great Divide mountain bike route. Holy moly. I watched the video. I watched it. We'll include the YouTube link in our show notes because it's definitely worth watching. Only 38 minutes. The woman is Lael, uh, I don't know if I'm saying her name right. <laughs> we need to ask her. Lael Wilcox. And Alyssa, this is, it's worth watching. It's incredible. She rides from Canada to Mexico and tries to set a record. And, and it talks about you know, the actual bike packing, which is, it kind of blows my mind. I think this is totally a race that Alyssa needs to sign up for. I will do the one day version of it because that is more my speed, but even the pressures that come with going for a record and trying to film a documentary and the social pressures that come with that, she kind of addresses those. So it was a fascinating look at that. I watched it before CIM and if nothing else, it made me very happy that I wasn't trying to run through mud at CIM or, or, and I didn't have to do it for a two weeks straight. And I, I had a nice bed to sleep in afterwards. So it's impressive what humans can do, but definitely I highly recommend it. Thank you for the recommendation, Nicole. And I recommend other people watching that as well. And Haley, we do have an interview for our listeners today. We are talking to Robin Pomeroy. And so most recently this season, Robin was fourth at Ironman Wisconsin. And then she was fourth again at Shawman 70.3. And she just this past weekend actually raced Challenge Daytona um, in the like under the lights race format there. Um, and she was 10th pro there. So she actually doesn't talk to us about Daytona because we talked to her before that, but, um, she does give us some insight into swim run, which she had, um, a little bit of racing with this year as well. And she also gives some wine recommendations for the holidays because she has a really great sponsor. So I know everyone will want to stay tuned and listen for those as well, but here's our chat with Robin next. The Iron Woman podcast is proud to be supported by Zelios Skincare. Zelios products are designed and tested by champion triathletes like myself. I know I can count on their high quality and long lasting ingredients to stand the test of the hottest, sweatiest days when I'm racing and training. Have the peace of mind to perform at your best without worrying about your skin and hair products. The products you won't want to train or compete without include Sun Barrier SPF 45, Betwixt All Natural Chamois Cream, swim and sport shower products and body lotion. You can get 20% off at teamzelios.com by using the code ironwomen. Yep, you heard it right. Get 20% off your Zelios order with the code ironwomen at teamzelios.com. 
Earlier this year, our sponsor, Wahoo Fitness, did a huge giveaway here on the podcast. We caught up with Jen Matro, who won the Element Bolt bike computer. Jen, it's been a few months since you won our Wahoo Fitness sweepstakes. How has life been since you became a Wahooligan? Alyssa, is it weird to say that I love my bike computer? The Element Bolt does it all. I can see any metric I need, power, distance, cadence, but I have to say that my absolute favorite feature is how you can enter a destination into the phone app and it will instantly create a route to guide you there with the Bolt. I used that a lot in Nice when I was there for the 70.3 World Championships. Thanks, Jen. We love hearing your feedback. If any of our listeners want to give the bike trainers, bike computers, and heart rate monitors that make up the Wahoo Fitness ecosystem of products a try, head to wahoofitness.com. Hi, Robin. Thanks for coming on the Iron Women podcast. Thanks so much for having me. You recently raced 70.3 Jamen. Did I say that right? This is, I'm like famous for <laughs> mispronunciation. So I should, could have checked that one ahead of time, I guess. Am I close? I think you're close. Jamen. Okay. okay. <laughs> and you finished there as the fourth pro female. Your Instagram post that reflects on the race actually describes some dis- disappointment with your race. And we get quite a lot of questions into our mailbag throughout the season about how we manage and move on from disappointing races. So why don't you talk a little bit about what your strategy has been about moving beyond a disappointing race? Sure. Well, I allow myself usually a little bit of time to just be disappointed, but then you, then I move on quickly. So you, I allowed myself to kind of feel those feelings and try to understand where the real disappointment was coming from? Was it disappointment in my performance for not performing up to par, which it was for the most part. And because of that, you know, I just started digging deeper into the reasons that um, I think that my race was off. And so I started kind of throughout last week, I just made some lists as to what I think went wrong, what similar races that I've had, how they reflected kind of the same thing sort of thing that was happening in that race. And then I just kind of take it from there, but I do allow myself to kind of be disappointed. But once that 24 hour passes, you just have to move on and realize that it's, it really is just a race and uh, take a lot of lessons from that. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be applying some things that I'm going to be working on um, in training and races, hopefully soon. And Um, the best thing is to just move forward with it. And in this specific race, what was it that was disappointing? Because I think most of us would look at a fourth place finish in a pro field at a 70.3 in China as, as a big success. And I know we shouldn't judge of our success or failure based on place, but fourth place seems pretty darn good. Why was it disappointing for you? Well, I mean, no, absolutely. And think, you know, I'm excited to be up there in the pro race, I was actually racing the race. I think it's more of a disappointment in how my body's responding during races, and I haven't been able to figure it out. My body in the second half of the runs, in the 70.3s I've done this year, and there's been some others in the past, it tends to just shut down. And I tend to get dizzy. I get lightheaded. I described to someone, I'm kind of like holding on to imaginary bars. Like I'm looking for bars to try to hold me up because there's a couple of times I had to just stop and I'm just kind of wobbling back and forth and trying to hold myself up. And yeah, I, I can't figure out exactly what's going on. I'm looking at obviously hydration, nutrition, gut absorption, heat, a whole gamut of things. 
So I think the disappointment comes in that um, I can't have not been able to show my a run performance yet this year that I believe that my training indicates. So I think that's that's kind of where the disappointment lies. But otherwise, I mean, it was it was fun to just be in the race. The race atmosphere was super amazing, and I would love to go to Shaman again. So these these issues that you've been having, they happen only in races, never in training. Uh, unfortunately it's mostly races. So I have to keep racing to figure it out. I've had a couple workouts. This has happened, but I can easily stop and kind of walk home. So I don't try to continue to push through it versus in a race. I'm not going to, I have not gotten to the point, uh, I should say knock on wood where I've collapsed in the middle of a race and had to stop. I end up slowing way down and I walk and I kind of recover and I get to one aid station. I mean, I dunk my (laughs) I, I dunk my whole head in the, in the bucket of ice water sponges and try to cool myself down. And there was some relief there. I kept going a little bit, but then my body, and I, I feel like it might be heat related for sure, because my body started heating up again. I started getting those symptoms again, but it's the temperature was only in the seventies. Not many other people were affected. I was doing great heat management throughout the entire race. So I think there's more than just heat. And Robin, you know, you acknowledge in that same post that China and going to China was a welcome adventure for you and you were excited to experience the culture through racing there. So outside of the race and, and dealing with, with those issues, you know, how was your experience in China? Like, was it everything that you were hoping to get out of that trip? Absolutely. I loved it. I did the inaugural and one and only Hefei race back in 2016 Loved my experience there. Racing in China is a completely different and very unique experience. They close the entire bike course. They close the run course. I feel like athletes are very much celebrated there. And in the U.S., I don't think that's necessarily always the case. Well, roads are definitely not closed. I think it's a lot harder. You just get more angry drivers on the road, unfortunately, in the U.S. and maybe other places. But in China, I think... People stop, people take pictures. There's people everywhere trying to take pictures of everyone, not just the pros, but everyone just racing. So I think just the the whole culture and the whole environment surrounding the race was pretty special. And Robin, I think in an Instagram post or you, you talked about being nervous because you were doing this travel completely solo. And I don't know if that was the same issue when you did Hefe several years ago, but, but you wrote that your mission was to take advantage of the opportunities ahead of you and have no regrets. And in order to do this, you just had to go, you had to do it by yourself. So a lot of people probably don't do a race in a foreign country or even maybe in their own backyard because someone can't go with them. So what, advice do you have for, for someone who might want to do a race somewhere, but is nervous because they might be going solo? That's a really great, great question. Ironman, first of all, I do think makes it really easy to travel internationally. The contacts in China were phenomenal and not just the pro contacts, just everyone. They have hotels lined up. Um, you can easily work through details of, of just transportation and how to get around and so, and a lot of that stuff is laid out on their website. So I, I, I think that having that stuff laid out and knowing what you're doing and where you're going ahead of time definitely makes the travel easier. I, I think the biggest thing is to start planning ahead um, before your travel and don't leave things to the last minute. I was thankful I had a visa for China from my 2016 race. So when I decided to do this kind of 
last minute, getting the visa didn't present an issue. I already had it. Knowing about, you know, making sure your passport isn't going to expire in six months. So making sure those, those are checked way ahead of time. If it's a country that doesn't speak English as a first language and that's your first language, make sure that you have transportation lined up to get from the airport to the hotel ahead of time. Bring some written communication in that language along with English. I always have in my travel bag, like in my, um, not just my suitcase that I check, but also my travel bag that at my personal carry-on, I'll have my directions to the hotel and some other very important information, some contact information um, of people that I'm going to go see or emergency contacts in English. And I try to have that also in the language of the country I'm going to. And what about the just being alone part? Was that hard? I mean, was it easier than you expected? Do you have advice for, for someone who isn't necessarily worried about the language, but again, even if it's in their same city, going to a race alone can be kind of daunting. Yeah. I usually have on some of those international travels, I usually have either my husband or another friend that I've met up there and have been able to explore with. And so the, yeah, this time it was a, it was a period of time alone and I'm not, I don't mind being alone, but yeah, traveling alone can sometimes be lonely. <laughs> so I wanted to just make sure I wasn't in that situation. So I just went out and met a lot of athletes that I didn't know or I knew of, and everyone is super friendly. And that's a great thing about triathlon. I love the culture and the community surrounding it. And that's a huge difference, I think, in some of the Asia races that I've done compared to some of the North American races. I think it's a, it's a smaller community, um, but it's a very open and friendly community. And people get to know each other, I have found, much easier than 10 to in the, in North America, cause you kind of all know each other already. So I think just getting out of your comfort zone and going and talking and meeting and greeting and being friendly. I think we all know that it's not too hard to identify someone, even in North America, like who is involved with the race or is also racing or is a friend of someone who's racing, right? Are you like, saying <laughs> we, we stand out, we look alike, we're all stereotypical. We all have our like MDOT hat on or yes, our like sponsor shirt, <laughs> carrying our backpack and our bike and our like, you know, gross swimsuit and wetsuit. And we yeah. make fun of it, but it's true. Like Robin, I definitely agree with you that, you know, I've been in some places where I've been alone, but I've been at the race hotel and it's like, okay, so just like walk out of the room and like, you will see athletes out there and like, everyone's friendly. Everyone's excited to race and they're all generally in good moods or, and like ready to talk and also make friends, I think, especially abroad, but for sure in the U S too. Right. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I did want to though ask you about kind of other aspects of your season this year. So we'll go back to 2018 when you finished your season with Ironman Wisconsin, which is in September. And then it wasn't until April when you opened your 2019 season with Texas 70.3. After that, you actually didn't end up racing again in 2019, I don't think, until the end of August when you kind of got the ball rolling again and you did Steelhead 70.3, Ironman Wisconsin, and then the latest 70.3 in China. So what was going on behind the scenes during those gaps in the races? Sure. Yeah. Not going to lie. I mean, I just had some... I had a, I had a hard year sorting things out in my own personal life, kind of at in different, different facets of my life had some challenges to them. 
And I was having a hard time navigating that and emotionally dealing with that and trying to get myself to um, a start line was asking a bit too much of me mentally and emotionally. So physically, I might have been ready to race, but I couldn't push myself. I I didn't think I could get to a start line. I think being able to recognize that is like and understand that even pros have to kind of a lot for that mental energy and that emotional energy that it can take, you know, dealing with things at home and things with family and stuff like that. Like it's a definitely, you know, a consideration for people at any level they're racing, I guess. Oh yeah. I mean, sometimes it can be good to go out and race and get some of that out of your system. I think it depends on the person and I think it depends on what it is you're dealing with. And for me, I just didn't have the mental capacity to go out and push But then there are some cases that um, it actually is better to use sport as that uh, release and maybe even just show up at a race and try to, you know, have no expectation of yourself, but to just show up at a start line and just go. And I think it was was a little bit more challenging for me to kind of let loose at a race like that and, and do that. Stress is stress, no matter where it's coming from. We say that quite frequently. Robin, now that you are back in the saddle of racing, so to speak, the the bicycle saddle, how are things going? You know, I, you mentioned the issues in Shaman, but in general, are, are things on the upswing? Are we going to see you at more races in the next coming months? Are you taking an off season now? What, how are things going? Yeah, no, they're, they're good. I've kind of definitely much more on the upswing now. I'm not burnt out of racing. I think I, I was a little disappointed with my Shaman race, which made me put the brakes on a little bit because I don't want to go to another race and have the similar symptoms, but I don't think I'm going to be able to figure this out and work out. So I might need to go and race to to figure it out. So I'm signed up for challenge Daytona right now. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, I am taking a little bit of like downtime right now. So I'm going to, I'll go to challenge Daytona with what I have. I'm excited to race there, but I took last week off as transitional, I guess a little bit. And we'll see. I'm hoping to race maybe January, February, but it's going to depend on how much I can motivate myself to train Ooh, in this cold. That, I feel like that means either like Pucon or like Wanaka. Like you're going somewhere exotic. If you're racing January, February, there are like no bad races in January, February. You're going on an adventure. I think it's more to escape the cold. <laughs> so, I feel no, Yeah. <laughs> It'll be something to look forward to. Yeah, there's nothing like going from like winter, dark snow, and then you just get on a plane and you get off and all of a sudden it's daylight until 10 p.m. It's warm. Like the juxtaposition is insane and it is wonderful. So I fully support that. (laughs) And Robin, in your latest string of races, you also threw in a swim run race, the one in North Carolina. I think they're just, it's called swim run North Carolina. Right. But, and you race this with fellow pro Holly Benner as your partner. Your team was first place for the females and fifth overall, which is awesome. So congratulations on that. And on the podcast recently, We've chatted with Liz Bauer, who was also at the event. Liv Feisty's own Kelly O'Mara has been championing swim run events as well as something everyone must do. So what is it about swim run that makes it so fun? I guess I should ask first, did you love it? And did you have fun doing it? Um, She'd be like, no, it was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Are you having the same experience that everyone else seems to be having? Yes, it was probably the most fun I've had in a race in a really long time. Not only do you get to do it with a partner, which I thought was so much more fun than I even thought initially, 
because I think if I were to go and do that race solo, I don't think I would have had as much fun, but Holly being um, a partner with Holly, uh, we're both pretty equal swim runners and it was just a blast. I mean, we, you, you go hard, you go easy, you enjoy it. You're it's a more relaxed atmosphere. It's there's a lot of camaraderie surrounding it. People are just, they're out there having fun, but they're also racing really hard. So it's a, a really great balance. And I think one thing I, one, one of my favorite tri- triathlons in the circuit is wildflower. And it reminds me of that type of atmosphere. And it's just a more chill, relaxed, but still super fierce athletes going to the line. I need to get myself in a swim run race sometime. Maybe that should be like oh, my, my new year's really? resolution. I don't know how I feel about running in a wetsuit, but everyone seems, it seems like that is might be like secondary and I probably need to like, don't knock it till you try it. Right. Yeah. And swimming in shoes. Like that's the other part. I'm like, what? So, so the, the wetsuit concerned me for a while until I tried running in it. Cause I tend to, as, as I already talked about, I tend to overheat a little bit. And so I was nervous, but on, we had four and a half and five mile long segments, which I think was our longest. We might've had a six, but we took our wetsuit down to run Okay. and the shorter segments, we kept it up and it wasn't restricting at all on the legs. You just didn't want to overheat on the run, but otherwise they, the companies make specific swim run wetsuits that are easy to run in. So it actually wasn't as big of a barrier as I first thought it was going to be. Okay. Running, ha- yeah. Well, the wetsuit helps off balance that. And um, people do use pull buoys. Holly and I decided not, not to use a whole pull buoy because we didn't want it to interfere with our running. Okay. Because people oh. strap it around their thigh. And I, I was like, I don't, that's going to annoy me. And I can swim, what, um, get the buoyancy from the wetsuit. But I think pull buoys are the way to go. <laughs> My shoulders oh. are sore after that. Because I was, uh, uh, you know what? I honestly never realized what the pull buoy is for. I'm not a big pull buoy user on a day to day basis. Like anyone who swims buoy. with me, like I hate pull buoys just because I think yeah. they're just unnecessary these days. When I was a swimmer, I loved it, but now I'm like, eh, whatever. So, but that that makes sense. Thank you for explaining that rationale yeah. of why you have <laughs> a pull buoy. Okay, I do love paddles. That part excites me. Doing a race <laughs> with paddles is like my jam. Those are my, that's my favorite piece of equipment. But it's, it's, I think it is my new year's resolution. I'm setting it here mid November. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. There are plenty, there are plenty of rounds. The North Carolina one, um, I will give a big shout out. I mean, they had a prize purse, so it was really fun to, you know, just have that as a nice incentive at the end of the day too. But there are several throughout the country. And I think Holly and I are going to need to sign up for another one. Dream team right there. And Robin, we mentioned earlier the winter, so we should clarify that you live just outside Madison, Wisconsin, and most of our yeah. loyal listeners will know that this is one of Alyssa's favorite race venues, favorite events. Alyssa talks about everything in Madison, everything great, the cheese bread, the course, the like cows. I mean, Alyssa, I'm surprised Alyssa hasn't relocated to Madison. I'm very surprised I haven't made it to Madison. Maybe I should add that as a new year's resolution as well. But what is it about Madison that makes it so special, you know, more specifically as a place for triathlon, but also just a special place in general? It's a great community. It's a very small, well, it's a big, but small community. There's, it's a very active community. I know it's one of the top in the country that one of the top, I don't know where it is on the list, but I know it's up there. 
Um, it's really cool to see people biking throughout the winter, even when it's well below zero degrees. People are dressed appropriately and are out riding. They are skiing. They are taking advantage of um, other winter um, sports and activities, fat bike racing, snowshoe running, you name it. But because it's kind of colder and darker half the year, you either have to get yourself out and enjoy it or be miserable. So I think people get out and enjoy it. Beer drinking probably helps a little bit, eating some cheese, you know, all that Wisconsinite stuff. I think it's a Midwest culture. I love the Midwest. I love being here. I've lived kind of in different parts of the country and uh, the Midwest and specifically Wisconsin has been my favorite state. And to Haley's point and to kind of what you've alluded to is one thing, one reason I haven't relocated to Madison is because I am terrified of that cold, dark month that um, you guys are able to endure. So aside from the cheese and the beer drinking, what about like, give us your like favorite one or two ways that you're training through the winter and staying warm, like whether it's gear or just like a different sort of workout or something like that. How I'm staying warm. Yeah, know? like how how you make it bearable, Whiskey. I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, she takes a couple of shots yeah. before she goes out the door. Yeah. No. no, no, no. Okay, wait. For all of our listeners, I am joking. That is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I get out and run in whatever conditions I can. Salming running is, I use their shoes and I use a lot of their running gear. They're a Swedish-based company and they make amazing winter gear. I have running shoes that have little spikes on them. So even when it's like super bad icy conditions, I'll go out and still be able to run safely on the roads. I have, I dress. Those are different than like nano spikes or something like that. Those are like actually built into the shoe and made for that. Yep. They are built in. And I actually, yeah, Haley, I went out to Yellowstone last Christmas and uh, my family and I, we went out to Yellowstone and, um, did some, you like snowmobile in or take the, like the yeah, snow coach? Pretty, I mean, yeah, snow coach. It was pretty oh, awesome. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yellowstone's pretty exclusive in the winter. You can't just drive yourself in there. Yeah. It was pretty amazing. Once in a lifetime opportunity to head out there. But of course I brought my running gear and I brought my, my snow spikes <laughs> and took some uh, runs around the geysers. And was that- they were great. Did you, I mean, okay. I know most of like the scariest animals are probably hibernating, but I get a little (laughs) nervous running around Yellowstone, especially in the winter when there's not as many people out there. If something went wrong, I feel like, I mean, it's pretty remote. Were you scared at all? Or was it just like, huh, adventure? I made sure to, uh, go where there were people around. (laughs) So I ran around like the old faithful loop. There's a not just like around the geyser itself, but there's kind of a big loop and and there were always people walking around. I did go in a couple areas that maybe there, there were less people around. So it kind of made me turn around a little quicker. Um, I just didn't want to run into a a buffalo. Yeah, I know they're big animals. (laughs) Yeah. A wolf. I've only seen a wolf once ever in Yellowstone and it, they're huge. They're not like a dog. It's not like seeing a dog. It's like no. massive and it was far away. And I, I mean, it's just, yeah, you're like, I respect nature, but that's pretty cool. And just to give everyone a little bit more context, I mean, Yellowstone's at pretty high altitude. I mean, I think even old faithful, you're at like at least seven or 8,000 feet. And so that yeah. is cold. Like you have snow, you have, all, you know, elevation. I mean, if your gear is working there, it's probably working most anywhere. Yes, for sure. And I was definitely uh, sucking air bad too, but uh, it was just, it's a unique experience. 
but yeah, I mean, for in terms of the animals, though, I mean, they're they're not gonna go out and hurt you unless you're aggravating them. Um, so I wasn't I wasn't actually too nervous. I still didn't want to come across one. <laughs> say that to the mouse in my house, but um, no, I'm just kidding. I was definitely aggravating that mouse. It had reason to hurt me if it wanted to. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> On my side, my encounters with wildlife of all, all sizes, shapes and sizes. We have to ask the wildlife question. Talking about vacations on your Instagram, you posted that after Ironman Wisconsin, you took a quote unquote real person vacation with your husband. <laughs> So yes, can you tell us what that means? No bikes. Does that mean no bikes? That's what Alyssa said. She's like, that means no bikes. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Maybe sometimes real people, but what did that look like for you? And, and was that like a healthy thing to do when you still had races on your calendar? What, I mean, was it hard to like take a no bike vacation when you, you know, you have this trip to China coming up? No, it was well needed. I knew that after Ironman, I was going to take at least a week off. Um, and I actually kind of ended my season I was Wisconsin and kind of restarted up with the swim run and shaman. And that's, I'm kind of going to try to keep going, but I took two and a half weeks fully off after Wisconsin, like not no biking and no swimming. And I jogged, but, um, no real forms of training. It's huge to reset and recalibrate yourself, reconnect with my husband and friends and go see stuff. Both of us love to travel when we can. And, um, so yeah, after Wisconsin, we went to Europe, we went to Norway and my husband did a, a, a study abroad there, his senior year of high school. So we visited his, um, host parents and one of his good friends from there. And then we went up to Belgium. Um, my sister, uh, used to be stationed there. So, um, she was finishing her assignment there and we needed to get there as soon as we could, because she was literally living in a hotel at that point. And then we went up and finished up in just Amsterdam. So reset myself and reset our, the relationship with my husband. I mean, the two of us, it's, I think it's so important to step away from it all and to, yeah, just get away from swim bike run. And it's further proof that, you know, a week here and there doesn't kind of make or break your entire fitness that you've built right? Especially year yeah. over year and things like that with, with the muscle memory, it always comes back and it probably comes back quicker than, than most people would think. Yep. I mean, it, it's hard to get back into it. Everyone feels like, you know, their heart's going to come out of their body and is beating so fast, but you know, it, that yes, getting in shape over and over again gets, I think it gets easier and it, it's le- it takes less amount of time I think each time that I and anyone else comes back from a break. For sure. For sure. And so Robin, one of our last questions here is one that I've been dying to ask because I believe that you have a winery as a sponsor. I'm not sure if it's an official sponsor or what the support is, but Michael David winery, I believe. And so can you tell us how you were lucky enough to land this relationship? And also with off season coming up, many of us will be picking out wines for friends and family gatherings. Any recommendations? Cause I believe like the availability is actually pretty widespread nationwide and stuff like that. So we, I know I looked and I could pick it up at my local store. So I'm interested to hear if you have a favorite. Yes, I for sure have a favorite. So I used to live out in, well, so the winery I am sponsored by is Michael David winery and they're out in Lodi, California. Um, I used to live out in California and Sacramento area before moving to Wisconsin. So I got connected with the winery there and they have an endurance based team that they've 
had for the past 10, 15 years and have more recently in the past few years developed kind of a professional team of different endurance events. So that includes mountain biking, Xterra racing, um, ultra running. There's a couple snowboarders on our team now. So a whole wide range of athletes, which is really neat. So yeah, even though I now live in Wisconsin, um, they kept me on the team, but a lot of their pros are not based in Lodi or in the Sacramento area. So yeah, I, I love, I definitely enjoy wine. I like to bring Michael David winery wines wherever I go. The Freak Show is one of my most favorite that you can buy pretty easily in stores. The Sixth Sense, uh, Seven Deadly Zins. So those are all some very nice wines that you can buy at, a, at any store. I've seen those. And now I know that they support endurance athletes. Oh, thank you, Robin. You have made my party going like the whole, the party, one party I throw for myself. (laughs) Very easy to shop for. So thank you so much. And we hope that you have plenty of time to enjoy some, some Michael David wine during the next couple of weeks as you enjoy your bit of off season before you head to your 2020 adventures. Thank you so much, Robin, for joining us tonight. Well, thank you very much. It was great to talk to you guys. Okay, Alyssa, imagine you're stranded on a deserted island and you have to pick one thing to drink for the rest of your life. What would you choose? Haley, I think I'd have to go with Noon Sport watermelon flavor. Nice choice. Personally, I'd opt for the Noon Endurance lemon lime flavor because in my deserted island fantasy, I'm still getting in regular 90 minute workouts. That sounds totally reasonable. The good news is that all Noon Hydration products are made with clean, quality ingredients that are good for your body and the planet. So if you ever find yourself on a deserted island, or maybe just in the middle of a really long training day, you'll be thankful that Iron Women podcast listeners get 30% off all Noon Hydration purchases by using the code IRONWOMEN at NoonLife.com. This is Alyssa, and as a triathlete, I am all about efficiency. That's why I'm excited that VeloFix is now a part of the Live Feisty community. VeloFix is North America's largest mobile bike shop fleet, and they know that your most valuable asset is time. VeloFix will meet you wherever you are at in your day so you don't miss a beat. Or if you have some time, you can hang out in the mobile bike shop and enjoy a complimentary cup of coffee to learn about the service being done. Interested? Here's how it works. Head to VeloFix.com or call 1-855-VeloFix Set your appointment, and the local VeloFix technician will come directly to you. Book your service today using promo code FEISTY so they know you're an Iron Women listener. The first 100 listeners to book today using promo code FEISTY will receive a major tune for the price of a minor tune. Again, that's VeloFix.com and promo code FEISTY to enhance your bike service experience today. Okay, Haley, well, now we know what wine to be taking home for the holidays, but any other gifts that someone can get you? Like, what are you looking forward to this this holiday season? Well, Alyssa, one that won't cost any of our listeners any money, they could leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, and a five-star rating would be a preferable gift. I mean, if you think I deserve coal, give us a one-star rating. Actually, please don't. But if you could leave us a five-star rating or write a nice little review, that would be fantastic. If you have 
things you want us feedback, constructive criticism, you can send us an email to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you have questions for a mailbag, all of those are good gifts and they won't cost you anything except for a little bit of time. So I appreciate everyone who has already done that. And all of our people who subscribe, all of our Patreon subscribers, again, the people who come up and say hello at races or on the internet, we really appreciate you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we will be back January 9th in all of our 2020 glory. We'll be kicking off the new year with a bang, I'm sure. So stay tuned for that. Enjoy the holidays. Haley, have fun with your new years. And I guess I'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye, Alyssa. Talk to you January 9th. Bye, Haley. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe, like, and comment on iTunes. My favorite podcast hosts are Alyssa Gadusky and Haley Chura. My favorite editor is Aaron Hamilton. The Iron Women Podcast is a live feisty media production. <laughs>